Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 240. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by one Brogan King. Hello, hello. And tonight, today, tomorrow, yesteryear, air yesterday, we're going to be talking about about the Magic Fest plus Richmond. That's, That's Magic Fest plus Richmond, not Magic Fest plus Richmond. But we're not going to Richmond... be talking about a Magic Fest and also Richmond, but we are, yes. though. Right. Now, to do that, I did not go to Magic Fest, so so it would really just be a broken monologue. So we brought on a guest that was also at Magic Fest plus Richmond, and that would be one Jonah Kelman. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Jonah. So before we get into the topic of of Magic Fest plus Richmond, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Like, who you be, yo? Yeah, so I be a level three from Western Massachusetts. I say that because if I just say Massachusetts, people assume Boston, and I don't want to be from Boston. Uh, Let's fight. But yeah, I've been judging for a bit over five years now. Uh, just celebrated my fifth anniversary over Halloween. Uh, and I've most of my stuff has been in like talking to people about how to judge. Like I, that's my jam. I helped create mystical tutor, which is online lessons from forever ago. Uh, I worked on planner bridge, which is talking to people about how we think the judge program should go and just a bunch of stuff like that. Cool. We, cool. we actually started around the same time. Like I believe you. We we totally we we grew <laughs> up as judges together. I remember this. That's yeah. okay. Because we both lived in Massachusetts. Yeah. But not Boston. I live no. in Boston. Boston's terrible. Oh. That's where I am right now. I was about now, to say you are in Boston right now. Don't don't tell my friends that. As like, as a like Yankees Boston. fan, I can also endorse <laughs> the idea that Boston is terrible. Oh no no. Red Sox are great. What Yankees uh-huh. are terrible. Aha. Uh-huh. Who is fighting oh. now? Yeah, I'm a little upset that you're controlling the recording of this episode, or else I'd be like, oh, no, we lost Jonah. Jonah's <laughs> just gone. What happened? What? I mean, realistically, like, what fun is having power if you can't abuse it? I kid. I kid, really. I kid. Uh, of, um, of all the people to say that, Brian, you should not say that. <laughs> I don't have any. I'm, I'm just a schlub now. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So, uh, we're here to talk about Magic Fest plus Richmond. Now, the plus in Magic Fest plus is different than the plus in Disney plus. What if it's not, though? So that means it's it's Magic Fest plus Marvel plus Pixar plus Simpsons. No, I mean, it's Dis- it's 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 <laughs> that magic- would actually be really awesome. Like, yeah. can you imagine a Magic Fest where like the Simpsons are set up there? I mean, we kind of have. Magic plus Marvel with the Jastis League, right? That's true. Uh, it's like Disney plus a Mythic Championship, right? That would have been fun. Okay, so is that is that what the plus is? It's it's a Magic Fest plus a Mythic Championship. Yep. Okay, so a, well, a Magic Fest itself is a GP plus, right? Yes. So this is a GP plus plus. It's double Possibly plus good. Maybe a plus 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 because of the mystery stuff going on. Oh, no, no. Whoa, hold on. We're in too deep now. Oh, okay. There's, there's, there's too many legends, levels of inheritance. Um, okay. So, uh, Magic, Magic Fest, Magic Fest Richmond also had a mythic championship. Now, since, uh, Brooke and I understand you were working, uh, in the mythic championship area, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing there? Yeah, uh, so my job at the Mythic Championship, I've worked this role for uh, a few Mythic Championships now, so if you have happened to roll in, uh, you may have seen me at the desk. Side note, there was somebody who was playing who came up during registration, and I had been talking, and they were like, hold on, this is a really weird question. Are you on JudgeCast? And I'm like, yeah, I am! 
And they're like, oh, oh, I recognized your voice. It sounds just like you. I'm like, oh, I'm. it was really wholesome. And I'm glad I sound like me in real life. <laughs> it was so sweet. So uh, I don't remember your name. I'm really sorry. But if you're listening, I really appreciated that. Um, I'm glad I sound like me in real life. <laughs> I, I'm glad. Um, but the my role uh is basically a vent host. So I sit at the front desk and help get players registered, answer their questions, um, be available to replace deck lists because the players need to have their um, standard deck lists available to present to their opponents. So if you go out, get lunch, and you're like, oh no, I left my deck list. Um, Generally being available to be an extra point of contact to take some of the strain off of going to the judges or having to walk across all the, the entire hall to go to customer service for the um, Magic Fest. It's kind of an event concierge thing. I think it is the most fun. Um, and the dynamic of a Mythic Championship, again, if you have never been to one or an old Pro Tour, um, they are much, much, much quieter. Uh, there's a little curtained off play area where the, the players are not curtained off, but it's sort of divided and there are little barriers that you cannot cross if you are not a player or on staff. Um, and you are expected to leave the play area when you're done playing. It's very intense. It's very quiet. If people come in at the beginning of a round for like crossing over from the other room or just walking in. I, we would get a lot of people walking up and saying, hey, is, is, is it okay for me to be in here? Um, and the answer is yes. Uh, it is okay for you to be there. We welcome people being there. Uh, but because it's so much quieter and a different feel, I completely understand why that question was coming up so much. And um, Jonah was working on the other side of the room on the magic fest. So I imagine he has more context for, did, did you experience that coming over into that half of the room at all? Like wow, just a sudden it's lack of sound. Yeah, no, it's strangely different. Like at a magic fest or like any other large tournament, there's always just a constant hubbub of players talking. And that's just, non-existent on the MC side of the room. Was like, it was it one one large one large hall or was it separate rooms? It was uh, there was a air wall in between the two. Okay. So they, like they were connected, collapsed. but yeah. there was a there was a wall across most of the between the two halls. Okay. Um, and I think it, but between rounds obviously things would would pick up a little bit more because people would be standing up sort of connecting with their friends between rounds and then going back to playing. So as with any tournament, you have that standard ebb and flow of as people finish up, people start to mill about. But once the round starts, it is silent. Hmm. So I, I have a, I have a, uh, a question. Um, so typically, typically speaking, like, so a, a weekend where you have the magic fest and the mythic championship going on at the same time, you need significantly more judges than you do for a weekend that has just a magic fest. Mm-hmm. Um, did that create any, any, any sort of like, did that change the feel of the event at all for either, uh, for either side? Cause there, there were other judges around, but they were separate or maybe the, the composition of the, you know, the typical uh, magic fest staff was a little different. You know, did it create any, any observable differences there? I'm curious what that looks like from Joda's perspective. I know what I think, but I think this would have impacted him a little bit more personally than, than yeah. it did me. Like, by and large, it felt the same, but having the uh, Mythic Champion staff next door was really interesting because a couple times in tournaments we had uh, translation issues, and we're like, well, normally we don't have experts in a half dozen languages. 10 feet away. Normally there aren't too many people at an American magic fest, at least that are proficient in a bunch of languages, but we could just hop over to them, see and be like, Hey, 
can we have somebody help translate for a call over here? And then somebody would come over in their fancy MC shirt, and occasionally people would come over on their breaks. And, like, they showed up once in a while, but it didn't, it generally felt pretty separate. I did, I did actually hear that as a point where on uh, Saturday there was a higher percentage of uh, non-English speakers in the event. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a, I don't necessarily know if when, when planning the staff, you know, three, four months in advance, that is actually something that you would consider, uh, that, that you would need to take into account when, when building your staff. Cause it's, it's not obvious, right? And the, and the, the implication right. there is, uh, uh, people, uh, who, people who come for the Mythic Championship on Friday, don't make it to day two and then go play in the Grand Prix. Right. We also had uh, some players who showed up, I'm guessing, with their friends to play in LCQ's last chance qualifiers on Thursday in the hopes that they could qualify for the Mythic Championship. And some of them didn't make it and just ended up playing in the main. And some of them didn't make day two and ended up in playing in the Players Tour qualifier on Sunday. Uh, but there there were definitely players like throughout the weekend who were trying to get to the players tour uh, who didn't have English as a first language. And I think that like, I think that's something to take into account, but we're also moving towards regional players tours. So maybe language less of an issue. Yeah, probably going forward. Yeah, so that, that is something that I had experienced a lot with registration for um, just checking people in for the mythic championship is that there are a lot of people who speak very little English Um and having more people available, that that is taken into consideration when when staffing the Mythic Championship is just having more people who are able to communicate in more languages, and I think that makes sense. It was also noticed that the subway across the street from the venue, like I went there for lunch one day, and one of the people working there was like, do you have a bunch of people who aren't from America? And I was like, yeah, and they're like, okay. They just kind of point at the food they want, and we do our best. <laughs> That that subway sees a sees a lot of interesting things being across the street <laughs> from the convention. I I work two blocks from the convention center, um. So I I see what that subway is like on the day to day, um. Mm. And it's they they see a wide variety of people. <laughs> so years ago we had uh, Jared Silva on to talk about um the tournament organizer aspect of running a Grand Prix. And one of the things he mentioned that kind of took me by surprise, we actually spent a little bit of time talking about food. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he mentioned that they do is a month or two before the uh, Grand Prix, this is back when Star City did Grand Prix, they would actually call the food places right around the area and inform them, hey, this is going to happen. To prepare. To prepare because – you know, the subway across the street running out of bread. Which did is, happen. Yeah, but that's that's a somewhat preventable problem, mm-hmm. but it's not. But it's got to happen to you at least once before you know to prevent it. You know, to do things to prevent it. I actually right? had gone around to a few of the restaurants in the area because I work there and I go to some of these places a lot to let them know <laughs> ahead of time. And I, I don't know if that's a thing that um, CFBE had done or anyone from wizards had done, but I was like, Hey, ex- expect some nerds. <laughs> right. And, and the, the big difference is, you know, Oh, well, how many people are coming out to this convention? You say like 2000 and they go, Oh, well that's, that's no big deal. The, the big difference is a, you know, home and garden show that's going to have 2000 people is actually kind of tiny because people come in and they mill around for like an hour or maybe three and then they leave, you know, and maybe they'll go out and get food. Right. But a magic tournament, they're there all day and they're going to eat one, two, maybe three meals of overpriced chicken fingers and hockey, nachos. Papa John's pizza. Yes. And they're all in a hurry. Yeah. Okay. So something else happened at uh, – uh, there was a, a big bad boogeyman at Magic Fest Plus Richmond that is significantly less boogeyman-ish. 
What uh, whatever could you mean, Brian? Well, they had they had a they they had some banned and restricted list changes just recently. Uh, possibly, probably, maybe as a result of Magic Fest plus Richmond. <laughs> I love Oko, and I don't. <laughs> you're on that. What? I just think you're alone on that. I except being alone on that <laughs> because I as a as a lover of of blue and green cards I have long lamented the you know oh why can't you make a good simic card well Oko is why you can't make a good simic card <laughs> because they're too good <laughs> because blue and green are just the best at drawing cards and getting value and turns out it's too much value. So, so let's let's just talk just briefly on uh, on November eighteenth, uh, effective November twenty second for tabletop. Uh, in standard, they banned Oko, uh, Thief of Crowns, Once Upon a Time, and the Veil of Summer. And one of the things where they said food decks uh, in the article announcing the ban food decks featuring Oko, Thief of Crowns, uh, have been the most popular and most winning. For the majority of Throne Standard Season, this culminated with almost 70% of the decks at Mythic Championship Richmond, including uh, including the card. Uh, 70%. There, there were It was 69% of the meta, and uh, there were more copies of Breeding Pool in the tournament than Mountains, Swamps, and Islands combined. <laughs> or, or Mountains, Swamps, and Plains combined, my bad. So what's it, what's it like... Uh, uh... Jonah, what's it what's it like working a tournament that's near Mono Oko? Yeah, there's <laughs> it, oh boy. It just so you know Cauldron Cat like Oko's not the problem. Cauldron Cat's the problem here because they make the food with Oko and then just keep on bringing back the cat and just block everything and the game would go on for like a week and a half if it was untimed. And there were so many untimed matches because of so many top eights happening. And I am glad that Oko is gone. I'm so glad Oko is gone. So it 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 drug out the the duration of the game. Just it a little end? bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. What time did you guys end up getting out on on Fridays and Saturdays? Ah, uh, I don't know the exact times. I remember on Sunday we started the top eight of one of the PTQs at around uh, five o'clock, six o'clock. Uh, and at the after party at around 1130, I got a report that the top eight was still going on, you know, oh. five and a half, six hours later. Oh. So, and that's, and that's rough because a lot of, a lot of the times in for tournament venues, they got to be out by midnight, mm-hmm. like, yeah, gone, gone. And I don't know, it, it kind of, you know, when you're in the top eight, and people all around you are like deconstructing the tournament around you. It's a little, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in the top eight. That should be special. And like everyone's just tearing down the walls all around me constantly. So it's just, you know, like they've even they've taken the tablecloths off of all the tables near me. And if we go on too long, we're going to end up having to play in the Denny's across the street. Yeah, I don't think we got quite there, but it was under consideration, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I did not judge on sunday but i was there and present (laughs) and working and was needed to be able to help tear things down at the end of the night um so usually if you watch mythic championship coverage they'll do the quarter like one two of the quarterfinals kind of simultaneously the other set of quarterfinals kind of simultaneously then one semifinal, the second semifinal, and the finals. They we had a five-hour-long sem- uh, quarterfinals, and because they are untimed and they are um, first to three wins, um, and then we ran the semifinals simultaneously, <laughs> and still didn't get out until like six thirty, seven o'clock. Compare that to the last. Uh, Mythic Championship um, in Richmond that was mostly red decks 
where the person who won the event was worried about missing his flight uh, that he proceeded to successfully get on. It was like a 5 p.m. flight. Oh, nice. So he, he made it through winning, then taking his winner's photos, and then getting to his flight. So yeah, it was a long day. And the, the top eight was uh, six Oko decks, and then two adventure decks. I don't remember what colors they were. All right. So that was the Mythic Championship and the Grand Prix, but I hear there was something else kind of exciting happening at this particular Magic Fest. There uh, absolutely was. Yeah? So uh, are you, is, is it a mystery, or are you going to tell us what it was? I can I can talk about it a little bit, okay. I guess. Both. Uh, <laughs> so starting on Friday, they, they had the Mystery Booster event, and like we knew that it was coming. We just didn't know how big it was going to be. Uh, Brogan, do you remember how large the Mythic Championship itself was? Uh, a little over 500 players. Okay. So on Sunday, we had this side event that was... Mystery Sealed. It had 450 players in it. Uh, When they were like, Mystery Sealed players, your pairings have been posted at the Black Gathering Point. Every single player who wasn't playing in a last chance qualifier got up and crossed to the other side of the room. Like, half of the room was just barren because everybody was on the other side of the room for this event. Um, So what what is a Mystery Sealed event? What is that? It's this really, I think it's this really neat thing that's kind of like a chaos draft where you get a booster pack that has cards from all over Magic's history. Um, and it includes cards like Soul Ring and I think Mana Crypt. Uh, if it was either Mana Crypt or Mana Fault. And then some more recent cards like cards from Dominaria and stuff like that and Modern Horizons and also some playtest cards. Uh, and the playtest cards, I just, they're weird. They're wacky. Some of them make no sense. Some of them tell you to do things that the rules really don't let you do. Uh, like make tokens and shuffle them into your deck and then interact with those tokens later. Uh, time Sidewalk shuffles four Time Walk tokens into your deck, which is just neat. I love that. But far and away, my favorite my favorite playtest card is how to keep an Isn't Mage busy. Okay. It's a sorcery that costs a blue-red hybrid, and it says, return how to keep an Izzet Mage busy to its owner's hand. That's it. That's all it does. <laughs> and it's incredible, and I love it, and I've been, like, brewing with it in my mind, even though they're not for constructed play. Like, they're just to, supposed to be part of this draft format or this sealed format. But the, these playtest cards are just cards that wizards wouldn't print under normal conditions. It's kind of like a we didn't playtest this at all version of Magic. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I'm just like, this would be neat. Does it work in the rules? I don't know. Write it. They'll figure it out. Uh, and that's kind of what a lot of the weekend was. Just players being like, does this work the way I think it does? And the judge just looking at each other and being like, so according to the rules, not at all. <laughs> but then the, these words are meaningless, so yeah, it probably does exactly what you want it to. Like, what does a flying counter do? According to the rules, like, the, it gives it flying, obviously, right? Obviously. That's what, that's what it has to do. Uh, okay, I have a question. Yeah. Were the judges, before these mystery events occurred, were the judges informed of what was going to be in these packs? Not in the slightest. Not at all. Okay. So, <laughs> legit... You 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 were unprepared, or at least emotionally, for the fact. Like, because from what I understand, I think a lot of people were actually expecting these booster packs to to you know be something more more serious. And instead, you get um you know uh how to keep an is it mage busy or a card called Imaginary Friends, where you create three zero zero white spirit creature tokens with a fly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. So for me, it was great because I like figuring out how things should work. And but yeah, entirely unprepared. Uh, we did have uh, I want to say Gavin Verhey and Tay back there to just be like, okay, so if a judge is not entirely sure, we can tell you what we want it to do, and then we'll pretend that that's how that works for this weekend and the rest of forever because these cards need to function in some way. 
And so there was there was a place we could go when we were like, this doesn't work the way I think it does, does it? Uh, but so there was some sort of final arbiter on how they thought the sh- the card should work. Yeah, uh, like the release notes came out on Monday, but by midday Friday, the judges were like, look, we're just making up so much stuff and we don't have time to tell each other the rules that we've made up. Is there anything you can do to help us out? And like, Tabak was like, okay, so I have an incomplete version of the rules article. <laughs> it might be inconsistent in itself and with the other things that I've said, but if y'all want to be consistent and look at it, you can. Uh, so that was, that was helpful. Cause then we could just, agree on what reality should be, even if it didn't match what we would expect. These these cards are absolutely I mean, it's almost like if the creators of Munchkin and Magic made a set, you know, made cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's are, delightful. And my my personal favorite card in this, because it reminds me of the program coordinators, <laughs> is uh uh five kids in a trench coat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That reminds you of the program coordinators. It does remind me of the program coordinators. Because from the outside, we were seen as this monolithic, you know, we are the program coordinators. And in reality, we're just five kids all arguing. I love this mental image. (laughs) It really is. It's great. Um, Yeah, if you have not seen these cards, they're super adorable. Um, And these aren't cards that, like... For the most part, they're not cards that anyone ever was like, this is going to be a real card. It's a card that, like, Jane from accounting thought would be really neat, and they made it a card. So so let's just let's just say, there's one card for a blue. It's an enchantment aura. Now, we, we had a corner case episode where we were talking about auras enchanting cards in graveyards being kind of weird. This one is enchant instant or sorcery spell on the stack. It has flash, obviously, because of rules. <laughs> Otherwise um. it would not work. Well, I guess that doesn't mean it needs to have flash, because a lot of these cards wouldn't work. It's just, when when card name, which is animate spell, uh, when card name uh, becomes attached to an instant or sorcery card, put that card onto the battlefield under its owner's control. It's a creature in addition to its other types, with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. Well, if you remember from the types episode, ah, that we just did that 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 brain hurty, brain and that's kind hurty. of that's that's what this stuff that's what this stuff does. You know which one I actually really like. What's that? Do over. What's that uh, one do? It's blue and a colorless for an instant, and it just says players back up the game to the start of the turn. Except this card is an exile. Like, the text on it, the rules text, for lack of a better term, essentially tells the players, perform a rewind, undo <laughs> all of the actions, and for things that were hidden information, just do the best you can. And, like, I want players to cast that and then be like, oh, no, I think we made things. This is not what we did. And, like, hopefully if players do cast that, they'll get used to, like, thinking about how to back up turns. So when I have to rewind the game, I can be like, hey, you know the card do-over? We're just going to do that. And they're like, oh, okay. I know that's not going to happen. So you're I thinking think... it could create some judge empathy? Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> so so there's there's also some in-jokes on these cards, too. Like, like I think with with one specifically, I think it's Wizards kind of trolling some people. There's uh, the card Golgari Death Swarm. Yes. It seems legit. It's three black and green. Three, three black green for a 4-4 four, four flying vigilant creature. Oh, do you remember? Do you remember this the drama? great designer search? Yes. So about three years ago, uh, there was a question on the, you know, they do the great designer search and they put out a, a, an exam, a multiple choice exam of about 50 questions. And one of the questions was something along the lines of if you couldn't do white or blue, what was, um, what would be uh, uh, the, the a color combination that could handle a creature with flying or vigilance, like a 4-4 flying vigilant creature? And yeah, it, it was, was supposed to be like, if Sarah Angel were another, co- were, were a combination of colors other than white, uh, other than being mono-white, what combo of these would it be? Right, right, that's, you're, you're right, you're right. If it couldn't be mono, if it, if it couldn't have white in it, what are the other, 
what are the other colors? And the question was a little ambiguous because one of the options was white and blue. And it was like, well, huh, if you really, really read the question, it was saying if it can't have white in it, you know, what what colors could support a 4-4 flying vigilant? And the answer was this card, the Golgari Deathstorm, the, the black and green, because it gets flying from black and vigilance from green. Although when you put them together, it's clearly like a white or maybe a white blue card. But in theory, you could. And I, and I think this card was just trolling people like this. was. Oh, I don't yeah. know if this was a play test card, but this is just making fun of people. I mean, the best part about it is if you look at the card, so all of the playtest cards are printed or look like they're printed over other cards. The card that it's printed over is a gold card that is white and blue, and the name, Golgar Deathstorm, first three letters, GDS, same as Great Design Research. Like, oh. 100% a troll, and it's beautiful. So I didn't even notice the GDS thing, but wow. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, it's, this set is just a lot of fun to, like, just look at. And then they the people an playing the draft. Didn't they? Yeah, they had an uncut sheet of all of the playtest cards. Um, what were you going to say, Jonah? The people playing in the drafts were having a blast with the format, both with and without the playtest cards. Like, uh, one of my friends was working on on demands, and on Saturday, I think they launched 112. Yeah, I actually um, was curious about the numbers on it. I know that at least there were more than 200 drafts. Yeah, there launched were over the course of the weekend. So, so here's a card. It's called. It's for one white. It's called Stack of Paperwork. When <laughs> card name enters the battlefield, draw a card, and then the ability is Combat Damage uses the stack. And the flavor oh, text oh. is the flavor text is you know like it used to. Oh, I wow. love that. I need that. That's <laughs> amazing. That. And the thing that's really messed up about it is there's probably a lot of judges that weren't uh, that weren't judges who in combat damage did use the stack. Uh, like me. I wasn't a judge, but I put Sakura Tribe Elder. Come on, just <laughs> doubled its power. So good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great card. Okay. Well, we do we have anything else to talk about mystery drafts? It's great. It looks sweet. Like the playtest cards are great. The draft experience is varied and like well designed. Like it's not crazy cube levels, but it's one of the better draft environments that a lot of people were saying that they had gotten the chance to play. I know there that a lot of people were taking, were just signing up to get the packs and sell the packs or sell the playtest cards. But I I mean, I understand it. It's a, like a limited release thing. It's new and you want to get your value out of it. But despite it being also a value proposition, I've also heard that it was just an incredible amount of fun. Yeah. Like who wouldn't want to play with Lantern of Undersight? Draw cards from the bottom of your library instead of the top. I love Come that. On. Why not? Uh, but no, I think that's everything we need to say about mystery friends. All right. So... Outside, well, inside the tournament, but outside the tournament at the same time, <laughs> there was something else that happened at this event, which in the show notes is just referred to as the lands thing. Yeah. So what happened? What land thing? Um, I'm happy to talk about it. Basically, um, Autumn Burchett uh, got a feature match and they were playing with Guru Lands. Um, with art by Therese Nielsen that had uh, Therese's name crossed off and had, uh, I forget exactly what they said, like uh, no turfs on Gruel Turf and something else written on them. Um, basically, advo- trans, trans rights are human rights. Right, trans rights are human rights. Basically just advocating for trans rights. And um, they were asked to not... Um, use these cards on camera and this and they tweeted about it there were a lot of thoughts there were and and Wasi didn't do a very good job of communicating right away what the reasoning behind that decision was and with the way everything sort of came out it also wasn't clear where who made the call to to not use those lands because I think they just said I was asked to not use these 
And so there were a lot of questions about, was was this a judge decision? What was the reasoning? And realistically, the reasoning that I've been able to suss out and that they later conveyed was that it was about the the crossing off of the name of of that that personal direction rather than the sentiment behind it it was not we don't want you talking about trans rights and trans advocacy it was the direct directed toward Therese. and and if i understand it later later in the same day they were playing different land cards with the same logo phrases written on them yes they got a later feature match um with without the name crossed off but with the same phrases on them on camera so it they there there was a it 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 does not change the decision that was made but it made their the stance on it more clear so as as a reminder for people as to what the what the magic tournament rules policy is is uh on artistic modifications which i taking a sharpie to your cards is an artistic modification (laughs) but it is artistic modifications are acceptable in sanctioned tournaments provided that the modifications do not make the card art unrecognizable contain substantial strategic advice or contain offensive images artistic modifications also may not cover or change the mana cost or name of a card. Now, I think in that particular case, people were going, okay, well, it's not making the card art unrecognizable. It's not containing substantial information. So it must be that it's the offensive, it's the offensive image. That's what it is. So Wizards is saying, you know, uh, trans rights or human rights is the offensive, is, is an offensive image. And with the clarification, it, no, it was more of the name being crossed out, being seen as, you know, I guess bullying or harassing. And so it wasn't the actual words on the card. So that was there later. And it's it's still it's it's causing lots of conversations uh, in forum posts and on Facebook groups and stuff like that. I'm honestly I am very glad that they they were able to take the opportunity to to clarify the stance on that by using later getting to use the the um the modified cards on on camera because it rather than double down on a confusing and unclear decision it was let's let's try to take this let's try to figure this out in some way at least i think so that's how i feel about it yeah i agree i mean we also had something similar happened on the other side of the room that weekend. Um, either on Saturday or Sunday, we had players in the Grand Prix who had, for lack of a better term, artistic modifications uh, <laughs> to their lands. And like some of them were just like political slogans and incendiary comments, and some were ban this player or ban that player. Uh, and that eventually got to the TO, CFBE, uh, and when their rep, came to this player and was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? The player whipped out their phone immediately and started recording. Uh, but CFP was like, hey, our line is no personal or directed attacks. The ones that say, ban this player, this player's a cheater, this player's a scumbag, get rid of those. Replace them with other ones. If you want to replace them with other slogans, you can do that as long as it's not directed at somebody. And the player was just like, oh, you were reasonable. Oh, and just put away their phone. Like, they, the player okay. was... actively disappointed like that's what i've heard like they were just like oh i wanted to be able to throw fit online get my get my 15 minutes of fame that i don't like that i don't like that that. at all i don't don't like that and i'm a little worried that that's might maybe possibly where this is gonna end up i know it's you know arguing slippery slope but you know, mag- magic players kind of love to sniff out where the line is and kind of oh, yeah. ask the, how big of a jerk can I be before I get a penalty? Uh, I think it was like some players posted online being like, hey, I'm going to bring these cards to SCG Con, which was the week afterwards. Um, and like, because they posted online, somebody got wind of it and got to Star City before the event happened. And like, there was a plan in place of, 
no directed attacks. But I think people are going to definitely continue to try to press their luck, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's it's just it's it's just I I really don't want to turn card art into a battlefield of some sort, you know? Yeah. But you got to put your cards on the battlefield, Brian. Well. <laughs> crap. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Okay, uh-huh. never mind. I I I repent. All right. Well, do we they think can we're... be on the battlefield? I don't want them to be the battlefield. You know. Isn't like, that the flavor behind it, though? I don't know. It's it's. Maybe I don't think. Like I don't think anyone's. Achievements. You know. In, I don't think. I don't think saying. You know. Like. Hey. You know. If someone's calling out a, per, a particular person, saying like, ban so and so, and you're saying like, hey, just replace another land, and you go, I'm being silenced. No, you aren't. It's a card. It's, you know. It's a land card. You know. Just. You know, you're you're not being. Twitter. You're not being silenced, whatever. So, yeah, so that's that's the yeah, artistic modifications are acceptable in sanctioned tournaments, provided that the modifications do not make the card unrecognizable, contain substantial strategic information, uh, advice, strategic advice, or contain offensive images. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, the the other caveat is head judge normally gets the final call on what 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 meets these criteria. However, Tio gets it too, yeah. You know, because yeah. it's their space. You know, turn, turns out the 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 head judge can say, "I don't want this in the tournament," and the Tio can say, "Like, I really don't want this in my tournament hall." So that's true. <laughs> guess which one trumps what? All right. So, do we have anything else on the land thing? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, you did. You did say that you wanted to clarify that it was not a judge decision. Right. Yeah, I, I talked we, about that a little bit. It was the, it, oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it it was not immediately clear with Autumn's original tweet uh what that it, that it was not a judge decision. Uh it it was not it was a Watsi decision and not 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 the judges to be clear. All right. So that's most of the stuff for Magic Fest plus Richmond. Yeah, I um was curious if Jonah experienced, if anything felt different about this event to you in any way because of um, Judge Academy implementation. Because for me, I had I had a player who came up and was like, "Hey, do you know Nicolette?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do. Why?" And he's like, "Oh, somebody told me to talk to her about." testing for level one. I was like, you don't need to talk to Nicolette about testing for level <laughs> one. You can go online and do it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We should totally start the rumor that anyone that wants to test for level one, you need to contact Nicolette. I'm oh, sure boy. she would love that. I don't, I don't think you No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> That's the so only well. way to become a level one now is to talk to Nicolette personally in person. In, okay. In person. I think that's fine. Yeah. Like if, Everybody just has to go to what Portland now? Yeah, yep. please check please check our show notes for Nicolette's personal email and telephone number. <laughs> please do not. They will be there. I that. hope I'm not doing that. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Jess will come back onto the show to personally end you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where if you want to become a level one, what what do you do? Uh, you go to Judge. I think what's the website? Ah, judgeacademy.com. Judge you go to judgeacademy.com. You do some training. You take a test, and then you get an L two to say you're a cool person. Yeah, I've I've actually given him feedback that I think the the L two check should come before you take the the L one test. So you can't just look at it like that. You that the L one can't pressure you and be like, "But I did everything I need to do, right?" Yeah, I took the test. The only thing that's holding me up is you. You're my problem. Right. Odd. Right, because I mean, like when when we were when you would test someone for level one and you would do the interview, typically you would spend some time talking to them and getting and getting a vibe and just making sure that they're not sketchy and they're they're decent, respectable human beings before you gave them a test, right? Oh yeah, I know some folks who were like, I don't have a plan for the interview, so I'm just gonna hope they fail the test and then figure it out later. Ooh. That didn't always work. That Ooh. don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. I'm going to tell you a story about that after we go off the air. <laughs> oh, no. 
I'm just saying, hey, look, I'm I'm drumming up for, you know, the potential future announcement of the Patreon. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. Stay, you know, you give us an extra dollar and you get the 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 after episode chat, which is All really right. just just saying it's late. Got to go. Watch wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And then okay. and then we talk about wrestling. <laughs> we talk about wrestling. Brian talks about wrestling from 30 years ago. Right. I talk about wrestling from three days ago. Right. I've watched some Glow. I can talk about that. Oh, Glow is so good. Y'all should watch that. I watched I watched a, a recent wrestling thing, and I, like, stream of conscious uh, messaged Brogan, where I was oh, like... Oh, it was amazing. There's this, there's this guy whose name is Shorty McGee. Shorty and I know G. That, <laughs> Shorty G. And I know that his name is Shorty G because they keep talking about how short he is. And then there's a guy with a trombone, and I have no idea why. And then... <laughs> And then there's another guy that I'm just referring to as Lord PowerPoint. <laughs> He's not every single one of these things he did say and are related to things that happened in wrestling. And yes, the guy does go by Shorty G. Right. To watch more wrestling. Yeah. You, I referred to, oh, I referred to a person as Lord PowerPoint. She's like, do you mean this wrestler? And I was like, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> I yeah, Drew Gulak. So Lord PowerPoint was descriptive enough to figure out who a wrestler was. Yep. Wrestling is just better than the things you like. <laughs> it's true. It's, okay. But thinking of things... Thinking, thinking of other things, things of, we like that are not yeah. wrestling. Yeah, that are not wrestling. Um, okay, so so talking about the, the, the myth... This was the Mythic Championship. We're going to be moving into... Players tour and players tours final. Any did they did they give any sort of hints or indication as to what that might look like in the future? Absolutely not. Nope. Uh, and that's that's really all I have to say about that. Par for the course. Par for the course. There. Do we know what the future holds? No. 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 Uh, blind speculation. I. I. The regionalizing thing will help with staffing to some degree in the sense that it will be more, you won't need a bunch of people who speak a million languages. However, I think it could hinder some of that communication in that we're not going to see those judges all or like, you're not going to, you're going to keep continue to see the same judges you already know in the same place you already are. So that's a little sad. Um, I don't know how things are going to look if we're still going to have, if they're going to be hosted alongside the Magic Fest, I don't know if they're going to be... I think so. Because uh, at least the first regional PT is scheduled for the same weekend as Phoenix in Phoenix. That would do it. I don't know what the finals situation looks like, but I don't know what Worlds is going to look like with, combined with the the arena situation. I mostly wanted to talk about the future to just convey how much we don't know about the future because we, I mean, we don't. Yeah, there's some speculation. Um, like we think the players tour, the regional player tours, are going to be about a little bit smaller than the current Mythic Championships, right? Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, and from what I've heard, people are speculating like you want a staff of about 25 or so judges. Um, and it's very likely that fewer judges are going to travel from Europe or Asia Pacific. And so that means I don't know if we have with the pro tour, the players tour and the Grand Prix next door. I don't know how many L3s you're going to have for the players tour and team lead slots on Saturday. Right. And so I've heard some speculation that a couple like, they might be opening up staff a little bit more, but that's wild speculation based on numbers that we don't have. I've also noticed the the uncertainty about knowing not knowing really like what the player tours are going to be. The W WPNQs those the attendance have been kind of small comparatively. Like a, a WPNQ gives a, 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 a an award to the players tour, you know, like a like a PTQ yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. But the WPNQs that I've seen have been significantly smaller. 
Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because people still don't have a sense of what the different kinds of qualifiers are. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think it might be some amount of uncertainty and a lack of buy-in of people wanting to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I hope it's not just the promo issue because uh, for WP and Qs it's 32 promos. Mm. And for PTQs, everyone gets a promo. Right. And I, I realize that that probably has a non-zero, imp- you know, uh, uh, a non-zero impact. I'm just hoping it's not a lot. There are also that implies PSQs, Premier Series qualifiers that are just PTQs but have different promo along. And they ran a couple of those at SCGCon, and I think those did decently. Yeah. Um, like, I think the Pioneer PSQ had... About 170 players. Well, Pioneers is, like, it's still got that new car smell, right? That new car yeah. smell. Right, so I think it's it's going to it's gonna be posting, like, good, good numbers just because it's new, at least until it, it finds its legs. Yeah. Settles on whatever. Settles on Oko. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I visibly slumped in my chair. Like <laughs> it doesn't translate well to podcasts, but I just. I mean, if it's not Oko, people could be playing. I don't know, Green White Devotion again. That was a fun deck to judge, if I remember correctly. I, uh, I don't Nykthos think it's fun. Apparently, people have been saying Nykthos is too, too, too good, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right? Is there anything else we want to say about the show or judging or? For the good of the cause? For the good of the cause. No, just friends don't let friends play Oko. Because <laughs> it's banned. You know, that's why. Not not anything specific. No, it's just the rules. It's just the rules. Alright. Alright, Jonah, is there anything that you have going on that you want to tell anyone about? Or anything Nothing at all? comes to mind off the top of my head, no. Alrighty. Well, thank you all for listening to episode 240. Uh... I didn't talk about Richmond things like I said I would, but if you want to talk to me about Richmond things or about this this show or judge things in general, you can find our website at judgecast.com along with our archives there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. You can find us on Twitter. We are at judgecast on Twitter. You can send us an email to judgecast at gmail.com and... I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't think I am. Uh, I know what I'm forgetting. And what I'm forgetting is uh, that tonight, this morning, drive to work, whatever Brian says, I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fair. I'm Jonah Kelman, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep listening to the 2005 album by Randy Macho Man Savage called Be a Man, available on Spotify. Listen to it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm not sure what to do here. It is. It's, <laughs> it's like listening to a Randy Macho Man Savage impersonator, only it's actually him. <laughs> it really, it really is. <laughs>